3: But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster
2: It is the Ring NFL show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Carr. Great show tonight. The Packers beat the Sanskrit 49ers in a classic on Sunday night football. Steven Ruiz joins later to break down the Justin Fields debut and much more. We're joined by Nora Princiati. Nora, what's going on?
4: Kevin, can I I'm gonna do inside baseball here for a second. I'm so amped because we have got to watch Ben Solak uh watch the end of the first half of Sunday night football like, two minutes behind where our TVs
2: were. And we knew he had plus 550 Trey Lance to score a touchdown. We all knew that Trey Lance had scored a touchdown. We watched Ben get the good news in real time, and it was wonderful.
4: It was I'm, just, we love joy on this podcast. And and to get to see not only a touchdown scored, but an eruption of, of joyous cackling from one Benjamin Solak feels like a harbinger of a good pod to come. So I'm pretty amped. Ben, how does it feel
2: to win a bet? A bet on this yeah, Sunday. Yeah, it feels
4: new.
0: Uh, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm reticent to admit this. Please listen to the Ringer Gambling Show on Gambling Wednesdays. Show. But I've had a rough couple uh rough back-to-back weeks uh, in terms of Sunday. And so, Trey Lance plus 550 to score. That one does feel good. Next time, if we could just have the uh, Raiders cover in regulation instead of screwing around and let the Dolphins back into it, that'd be swell. Thank you very much.
2: All right. Big show today. Um, Super Bowl participants washed, guys. Sure. Sure. Um, so I have an, it. A really, I have a really easy job tonight, which is I'll just say the score and I'll go, is it time to panic? For every team in the league. For every team in the <laughs> league. I can just do it. I can just, <laughs> it. Should we be pressing the panic button? Um, so this is going
4: to be on pretty On the New easy. York We're, Jets? We, yeah, we,
2: <laughs> it's panic. It actually is panic time for the New York Jets. Um, but obviously. Like, I don't know if
4: pressing the panic button on the Titanic would have really helped.
2: But a lot to get to. Um, Obviously, aside from the Super Bowl teams, we had Justin Tucker (laughs) kicking the longest field goal of all time to beat the Lions, Santa Night Football, Packers, Niners, uh, Dolphins, Raiders, uh, the Broncos are undefeated, Uh, the -hmm. Jets are not. And there's just a lot of football to get to. We will start, unironically, with, is it time to panic in Kansas City? Uh, Chargers 30, Chiefs 24. The Chiefs are now in last place in the AFC West That is. Almost meaningless, uh, but what is not meaningless is that the Chargers looked really good at Arrowhead today. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was not sharp. He had two picks. Justin Herbert, uh, 26 of 38, 281 yards. Uh, he made the throws he needed to. Um, there were. It was not perfect, but there were some just huge time throws. Uh, Mahomes has now thrown interceptions in back-to-back weeks for the first time since 2019, um, he had thrown in the month of September, 38 straight touchdowns. Uh, he did the thing where he went behind by two scores and he did not come back. Previously, so he, in the last four instances, three of them were to Tom Brady. He was 0 three against Tom Brady in those scenarios, but he usually comes back. Ben Solak, Herbert, bit of the prince we were promised here in the AFC West. What'd you think?
0: Yeah, right. The uh, the refrain that that Stephen Ruiz, uh, our buddy, is going to be on the show later, keeps saying is like he just it's obnoxious that he just stop he doesn't miss throws it was right. like when we when we first started watching Mahomes dawn it's not a one to one comparison but Mahomes played well and you were like oh holy smokes and then he just never stopped and you're like well eventually he'll stop and then he just never stopped you're like okay well he's going to stop in the playoffs and he just never stopped and Herbert we're only a couple weeks in but in in year 2 it's like okay when is he going to start missing yeah. receivers like that's what humans do and he just isn't uh and so the the consistency with which he's delivering is still unbelievable. They still have him as a relatively shallow passer. Like mm-hmm. when when the Chiefs started to come back into that game on first and ten from the twenty five, Joe Lombardi dialed up a flea flicker tight end screen, and I wanted to murder someone because <laughs> Justin Herbert can throw it fifty <laughs> yards on a rope. Like there's no need yep. for this. Um, so they still have him throwing shallow. He's still checking out to Austin Eckler very quickly. So the A dot is still pretty low, uh, and I think that they they still need to open up this passing game more. But uh, a Herbert can play mistake free football for a really yep. shocking level, not just for a second year quarterback, but for a, a guy who at Oregon like was not playing mistake free football. So it's a very, very interesting evolution. If he keeps it up, he's going to be one of the most dangerous passers uh, consensus by the time the, the the season's over. So statement win for him. Yet another statement game for him. He looks like the real deal. All that in a bag of chips. Okay.
2: So the Chiefs had a chance to win this game. Um, we can get to the end of game sequence here in a second here. But they did. Turned the ball over four times. Mahomes had two pretty bad interceptions. Clyde edwards Hiller had a pretty bad fumble, um, but this was a sloppy, sloppy game for the Chiefs. Nora, basic talk radio, like Monday morning chat show question. Are you worried about the Chiefs?
4: Okay, so panic button, Chiefs, unpressed. (laughs) Panic button, Chiefs. Chiefs defense? Inevitability, immortality. Right. Pressed.
2: Right? like, Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you feel, I mean, like, I, as I said right after the Super Bowl, right? Like, I, I think we all viewed Mahomes as, and the Chiefs as just some sort of John Wick who can get out of any situation with a pencil, right? And then we saw them get their ass kicked in the Super Bowl, and we said, okay, well, the offensive line needed to be there. They need a little bit, help, little, bit little bit of help. Mahomes is not inevitable. So you actually kind of had reset that button since the Super Bowl?
4: Kevin! You did a podcast like two weeks ago titled yeah. "Can anybody beat the Chiefs?"
2: I also didn't this pick them to win the Super Bowl.
4: Nor did I. Right. However, I, I I think it's fair to say that consensus yes. still rests that they are a cut yeah, above of the rest. Yes, particularly yes. in in the division. I think that one thing that we saw that I think is interesting is that we've had this conversation, right, where we've said on offense they're going to be great. One of the questions is, is the defense just middle of the pack or is it actually bad? Yeah. But then the other one is, are they built on offense to withstand any sort of injury, any sort of test to some of the top playmakers? Luckily, they've still got Hill. They've still got Kelsey. Yeah. But I think we saw for a good chunk of this game, sort of a different version of that, because let's just take a moment and shout out Derwin James. Sure. That guy's good at football, right? Healthy and good healthy and good fun to watch because he's like one of the only players in the entire league who can actually cover Travis Kelsey effectively Mm one-on-one and Kelsey was pretty good in this game. Um, finished seven of 11 for 104 yards, but 50 of them, maybe 50 plus about half of them came on the drive when Derwin went out. And to me, that's really interesting because right, like the chiefs are not going to have four, um, four turnovers in most games. That's just not going to be repeated. Yeah. On a regular basis. And if they don't have that, they probably win this game. But if you're looking for, okay, is this just totally a fluke or did we see something that is in some ways replicable? I think the answer is that for most teams, no, it's not. But for some of the cream of the crop, some of the upper tier playoff teams, particularly those with secondary players who have some ability to take at least one of those two top playmakers, not Mm -hmm. entirely out of the game, but really limit them. Then, yes, I think you can make the Chiefs offensively limited enough so that the weaknesses on defense come through and they're actually, there is a pathway to beating them. So, are they still among the absolute best teams in football? Absolutely. Do I still think picking them to win the Super Bowl is like probably the smart, reasonable thing to do? Absolutely. But is there a way? Is it like, do I have that thing in the back of my mind where it's like, oh God, seriously? I have to come up yep. with a reason why they might not win. <laughs> like there were times last year where that felt just stupid. And it was like, yep. it's so boring to just say that they're going to win everything. And obviously yep. they didn't, yep. but I, I think that's a little bit different, which by the way is, is good. It's exciting. It's interesting.
2: The defense was disappointing. I mean, the biggest chunk play of the game that mattered was in the fourth quarter. It was a 43 yard pass to Mike Williams and he was wide open. I was watching the dots a little bit earlier before Sorensen brought him down. Um, There were some, 50-50 calls here. The pass interference right at the end was controversial. Um, obviously, uh, this this game, I mean, first of all, it was, there was a bit of chaos here at the end. Um, Mahomes got the ball back with 214. Everybody said, oh, you left too much time. He threw a pick. Um, everyone thought then when Herbert drove down the field, they would just run the clock out and said they scored a touchdown, uh, with 32 seconds left. They couldn't end up, the chiefs couldn't do anything with it. Um, but the big play for me was the fourth down sequence where they go from fourth and four to fourth and nine on a false start. Staley still goes for it. He finds a way, Ben, as a head coach. And obviously when you have Herbert to Keenan Allen, that helps with a lot of things. But as a head coach is Staley ahead of the curve for where you thought he would be as far as decision making as far as game management when you see a game like this
0: right i i i don't know how to answer that man i'm still reeling over that entire process i uh i remember when we talked about the the decision to go with that lamar fourth and one game on the line and i i said that you're just so terrified of that guy on the other sideline right. that it's like drives you to straights, you know what I mean? Like it twists your heart, how 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 you're just fearful of what that dude can do. Well it's got Brandon Stanley so afraid that on fourth and four he lines up to go for it. And then he gets fourth and nine. And yeah. usually the penalty, like a lot of coaches take that as like, you know, wisdom from the gods, like don't go yeah. for this. And after the penalty, they'll run the Punchy team a out.
4: Sign. Yeah,
0: exactly. And uh no, he was like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna go for this. And we're gonna throw a back shoulder to Jalen Guyton. Like, oh man, that's stones and a half. Uh I I suppose he's ahead of the curve. Uh, I imagine that we'll see, you know, like, obviously, this is a a already a data point pointing towards this being the correct decision because the Chargers end up picking up that first down and moving the ball yep. forward and whatever. Um, but I don't know how many people are going to be able to catch up with that, even in we're facing Mahomes games, let alone we're facing regular people games.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, this was... This was a statement. And Reid went to the game. Uh, he fell ill after the game, went to the hospital. Um, obviously good thoughts for him. Um, but this is an interesting division now, Nora. We're gonna get to a couple of other of these teams, but are you thinking about the AFC West is in play now?
4: In play, yes. Again, the Chiefs uh, the Chiefs get to play on a on a downfield slope, mm-hmm. right? So is one and two too much for them to overcome? Absolutely not. I would not. Again, the panic button is is unpressed here, but the Chargers are really, really, really good, right? Like mm. to me, this is not we are yeah. talking about the math problem that eventually yeah. pops up when, when you're talking about the playoff race. They're not in that territory. This is a team that's going to destroy a lot of teams throughout the course of the season. They're going to be just fine in terms of the numbers. They
2: have the Eagles next week and then they have the Bills
4: the following yeah. week. So I think tremendous they, they...
0: get right opportunity against the Eagles. In the for, maybe. <laughs> right. But then they have a
2: huge <laughs> test.
0: I, I, I no, th- that, that, is
2: that is true. That is true. That's 100% true. They're going to clown the Eagles. But then that is a huge, huge test against the Bills. I think mm-hmm. it's going to tell us a lot.
0: And the Bills had their get right game against that Washington defense today. Yes. Allen at one point had as many touchdowns as he had incompletions. Um, yep.
4: do, do two yeah. get rights make a Bills Chiefs game?
0: Mm-hmm. I hope so uh that well, was yeah, a I, solid
4: joke guys come on I, I like no i liked it i, I, I enjoyed
0: I liked it. it it was good um yeah i uh i, I do bet, think uh, that... by the way bet ben
2: so had plus 550 bet that Nora was gonna tell a joke that only she was gonna laugh at
0: <laughs> no if that's minus 550 on the books brother <laughs> <What>? yeah <laughs> no! that is that is oh, an airtight no. bet if what i've books ever are you heard one in my
4: entire life
0: oh uh, no no so uh, i think right I, I do think the the charges are legit i do think that it's a uh an open conversation, especially with the Chiefs with the divisional loss. Obviously, the Raiders and the Broncos have their, their leads. We're going to talk about them a little bit later. Uh, the thing that impressed me most with the Chargers was that it felt like they were underperforming relative to talent on both sure. sides of the ball. You know what I mean? Like eked it out against Washington, close game against Dallas. They are they had another touchdown taken off the board because of a uh, an illegal shift. You know what I mean? The situational football is still lacking. Um, but if if Staley's that guy, if he's the dude, then this yep. first game against Mahomes was going to be critical. And I yep. think that that Nora's point about Derwin is so important. Uh, uh, Chris Vassar, Coach Vassar on Twitter, who's a, the chief resource for defensive football on Twitter, has something he calls the Deion principle, which is where they would play Deion Sanders man-to-man on your best mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. and then double-team your second guy, right? And the right. case is, with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, that with Derwin, we can take away... Travis Kelsey, and that lets us double Tyreek Hill, right? And that's what other teams don't have. And the fact that Staley was able to get that, access that, and hold the Chiefs to 24 points indicates to me he's that dude. So even as we figure out situational football, even as we mature as a team, we figure out the downfield passing game, we grow charges all together. This was, to me, like a big box check for Staley in terms of like, if we're going to contend in the division, we need to have an answer to Mahomes. We hired this guy to be that answer. Uh, First test is passed. That's a big deal.
4: Second test is figuring out how to stop um, getting the illegal shift penalties. If the what, was can that? Figure out what was the deal
3: with that?
0: They, they, had, they had they had a fullback plan H back. Right. Yeah. And he does, you know, like it, it's, it's a nice little goal line package and whatnot, but you have to understand, right. It's your situational football where where that little stuff is, is so lacking for a, a young team, a new team, a lot of new guys in a lot of personnel groupings. They run like that's, that's going to happen early in the season. So iron all that out. And we're talking about a legit playoff team come, come December. We were if doing they overcome
4: qu- the chiefs and the illegal shift.
2: That's it. <laughs> the two greatest The big greatest two. The big yep. two. They, they've circled both of those on their schedule. Um, we we're getting reader questions or listener questions, and some of them, a handful of them were like, are the Chiefs bored, or are they going to turn it on later in the year? And it's like, no, man, this is not the Chiefs playing with their food or not being locked in. Like This is them being a little bit sloppy and losing a game to a team they really want to beat because now emotionally, the Chargers have some sort of psychic edge. You look angry.
4: I'm, I'm going to oversimplify for a second. Please do. The Chiefs had four turnovers. Very, yeah. very hard to win a three football of game them, you have like, four turnovers. The
0: Chargers 35, too. Like, three in scoring yeah. range. Yes.
4: Playing a defense that has unique capabilities to shut down their top two playmakers, like we were just talking about. It makes sense that they're a little bit limited on offense that because of those factors. That aside, uh, their defense has given up touchdowns on 12 of 13 opponent trips into the red zone. They're not bored. They just can't stop anyone. Right. 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 No, I, I I just think that
2: sometimes when a good team loses, fan bases struggle for answers, and, and or or just general fans. And, and I just think that right now what we're seeing is the Chargers are really freaking good, and the Chiefs made yes. some stupid mistakes. Okay. Yes. Let's go to the other half of the Super Bowl. Rams thirty four, Bucks twenty four. Um, this was a big game on a big stage. Before the Bucks play the Patriots next week, Matthew Stafford twenty seven of thirty eight, three hundred thirty four yards uh tom brady 41 55 432 yards uh the bucks could not stop anybody uh they have some real problems at cornerback that they need to address through injuries and through through some other factors i got a listener question uh that was seemed to be earnest that was are we sure patrick mahomes is still better than matthew stafford that's where we're at right now with the narrative i can assure you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we Patrick Holmes is still better than Matthew Stafford. Just, just good, to good. quickly answer that evil preview. And yeah, Aston answered very quickly. Um, but in the same way that the Chargers made a statement, the Rams made a statement. Nora, what'd you think?
4: Well, so I think that there's gonna be a, a lot of time to talk, as we should, about um how the Bucks secondary ma- matched up with what Stafford was doing down the field and all the Rams pass catchers. They're obviously they were missing Sean Murphy Bunting and then they lost Jamel Dean. Yep. So they were undermanned there. Um, Richard Sherman has been linked as a possibility. Right. And yep. they just restructured um, Marpet to mm-hmm. free up some space if they yep. want to make a move there. So clearly that's something that's on their mind as they figure out how to at least tide themselves over till some of those guys um, get healthier. Nobody could run with Deshaun Jackson. We saw no. that. All of that stuff was great. Yep. Going to be a lot of time to talk about the, the explosive offense in L.A., I I think that something we shouldn't let get lost here is that the Rams controlled both lines of scrimmage here really, really dominantly. So Matt Stafford didn't get sacked until the fourth quarter, particularly because of Aaron Donald on the defensive side. This is typical, but he got so much interior pressure on Brady, which historically has always been the kind that bothers him the most. And what impressed me most about this game was just how dominant they were on both sides of the line. And I think that's something that, you know, it's kind of easy to miss, but when they're playing another really good team, you start to notice those little edges. And I think that's going to serve them incredibly well as they go through the rest of the season and potentially, you know, if these two teams need to meet up with each other again, because frankly, that was where I expected this game to seem a little bit more evenly matched. And it really just did not. I mean, that Bucks offensive line is typically a pretty good group. Yep. And they looked totally overmatched. Yeah. So that was the biggest surprise to me, and that was the thing that made me sort of feel like, okay, we actually should take this seriously as a reshuffling of who the powerhouse is in the division. I'm gonna say something funny here, or like something that I find funny about my process. We'll be the judge
2: of that. No, no, no. This is it's not haha funny. It's like it's like New Yorker cartoon funny. Um, it, it for me, in the same way that I'm like, well, you can't judge the Chiefs in anything other than Sunday. Like, the way that the Bucs played last year, where they looked absolutely lost for times and they just figured it out, actually is still a little more in my brain than than how I think about the Chiefs. And what I mean by that is, like, Carlton Davis was bad on Sunday, but Carlton Davis was bad for stretches during the season last year, and, and they figured it out. Uh, Dee Delaney couldn't co- keep up with uh, Cooper Cup today. Um, they just looked sloppy, and, and they looked like they were overmatched in some areas of the game. But I also just believe in their ability to get better when they need to. Um, so I was surprised by this a little bit. I thought they'd have a better showing, um, but I'm in in no way pressing the proverbial panic button. Ben, what did you think about this game?
0: Yeah, I think that your biggest concern right now, uh, let's put it this way. Your biggest concern walking into the season, if you were a Bucks fan, was, okay, well, there's no way we can be as healthy last year as we were this year. And right. then you immediately sustained multiple corner injuries. And guess what? A lot harder to run that Todd Bowles defense when you can't confidently play behind it. You know what I mean? Like, he wants to right. send five. He wants to send six. You need your defensive backfield to be playing well. They're not right now. Uh, and so this is what you expected. Like with, I think if, like Brady doesn't look worse. The offense is still hitting the buttons that they hit last year when they improved in terms of, Pre snap motion and play action yeah. and, and and finding that balance between leftwich Arians and Brady, uh, they did get into that. They didn't really get into a, a deficit early, but I think they probably got past happier earlier than they wanted to. Uh, they're definitely a team that still believes. You have to run the ball well to set up play action. And because of how they run play action, like they don't boot Brady, right? It's not the rollout boot action stuff. It's mm-hmm. play pass. We were pulling a guy and he's dropping back into the pocket. It is nice to actually have the running game working because you, you do want to come downhill at teams. So I know like nerds, like you don't need to run the ball, but I understand why the Bucks really feel like they need it and they couldn't run the ball early. Uh, and so there's like little problems there, but I don't think there's anything that's lasting This Rams team is pretty good. Uh, their defense i thought really uh played much better than they had the first two weeks of the season i think if they met again i think the bucks would have a lot better answers antonio brown obviously on the field would help them Mm -hmm. as well Uh, so we'll see if they get there but i think i think tampa overall you feel fine
4: typically tom brady as leading rusher is not a good sign (laughs)
2: historically mac jones was the patriots winning rusher today uh deshaun jackson also not a good sign not good uh, Deshaun Jackson ninth career touchdown of seventy-five yards or more. Ben Solak, yeah, the floor is yours to appreciate, Deshaun Jackson.
0: Yeah, I, I watched uh, Miracle in the New Meadowlands like eighty-five times just during the Bucks. I started rewatching it again Today? And I, Yeah, I and mean, I just started rewatching old Deshaun Eagles highlights. I saw the Vic touchdown against Washington, and then I put Miracle in the New Meadowlands back on. Deshaun, it's just it's what if just, Tom
2: Coughlin's reddest faces?
0: Yeah you yep. you always forget that the camera cuts to him just screaming screaming what did i tell you at the yeah. punter just no interest in shaking andy rees hand at all just finding yeah. the punter and yelling at him Matt but Dutch? it's right it yes. uh it's a guy with number 6 and a mullet uh we'll Bel- check I back in it. on that one yeah. but <laughs> uh the uh, Sean McVay had a quote about getting Deshaun more involved and getting him more snaps. said it's yeah. on me to figure that out. And he's made this whole uh, a presentation of Matt Stafford is unlocking me. Matt Stafford is unlocking our offense. Matt Stafford is the solution to everything. And then in that in that whole conversation, right, was and I need to get Deshaun more involved. And and you can see the connection there between bringing in Deshaun Jackson, drafting two to Atwell. They clearly had this idea for this downfield component. And what's really cool is they're already. Putting the layers on the layers. Deshaun's big touchdown catch was he fakes that dig on the backside and then hits the go. You couldn't even fake the dig with Goff because golf doesn't throw the dig. <laughs> Stafford throws the dig, so now you can run the dig and go. You know what I mean? Like it's week yep. three and they're already Jared on Goff level catching two. Catching
4: strays.
0: Listen,
2: oh, that's going to happen a lot. Yeah, Jared Goff, better buckle up, buckle up your chin strap, buddy, because you're yeah. getting it this year. Every time there's a Stafford, a Stafford mm-hmm. segment.
0: I, I love how quickly the chemistry is developed with Cooper cup. I think it's incredible yeah. to see how cups come back yeah, from that yes. injury and, and be so dynamic all over the field. It's wild to me. This team just like, doesn't need to use Robert Woods. How it's Robert Woods. And they yeah. just like, Meh, this is a third, fourth option. Crazy.
2: Not only was it Matt Dodge, that was Matt Dodge's last career NFL game.
0: <laughs> go one. out of the He bag. was a rookie.
2: He was a rookie draft pick and that was just it for him. Woof. So there we go. Uh, also catching all right. Strays. Also catching strays. Matt Dodge is trying to have a nice Monday morning somewhere. Sorry, buddy. Uh, All right. Let's get to our first superlative. It's the Aaron Rodgers back award. It goes to Aaron Rodgers. Um, So the Packers just won a classic. Uh, This told me a lot about both teams. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, I believe there's a scientific word for it, played like an idiot for for parts of this game and this is going to be a pretty hot button issue all week as far as whether or not Trey Lance is ready to go because Ben I don't know if Trey Lance is ready to go I don't know how much justification there is for keeping old Jimmy G there to throw the ball into the ground or do whatever he's doing right now there
0: was such a good moment where they were putting together that should have been could have been game-winning drive and Chris Collinsworth was like, well, it's just incredible. Like they draft the backup and like, you know, Jimmy's not long for the starting job, but look at the drive he's putting together. It's incredible. Da, da, da. And then they come out of the break and Garoppolo tries to throw a pick on first and 10 inside the 30. And Collinsworth's like, whoa, tries his
4: hardest. yeah. He's
0: like, oh, whoa. What was that? Whoa. And it's like, he's been doing that all game, Christopher. Like you just got like, you know, like it's nice. They're moving the ball down the field, but yeah, Jimmy is uh, so he's, he just is what he is. We just know like, it, Everything Jimmy just did in this game where he scored 28 points against the Packers is what he's already done in the Shanahan offense multiple times, and they drafted a quarterback at number three. It's because you can be okay with this, but it's not a winning formula over the course of a season. So yeah, once Lance is ready, man, it's time because you're going to get some of the boneheaded plays still the same way with Garoppolo spiking the ball at his own feet and then pointing at it as if the ball is a receiver. Um, But you're going to get much more explosive plays as well.
2: Okay, so I want to get to the A's Trey that's ready question a little bit later. So Garoppolo goes 25 of 40 for two touchdowns, one interception. Rodgers 23 of 33, 261, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, Devontae Adams 132 yards, including some of the biggest catches in the game. George Kittle tried his damnedest to win this game. Um, Kyle Duschik also had some, some great plays uh, in the passing game late. Uh, Nora, the Packers, all the way back.
4: Well, Aaron Rodgers is quoting Moneyball on television. He just said, "How can you not be romantic about football, man?" So I think that's all the way back.
2: What was in is in Moneyball? They said baseball. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm.
4: I can I can
2: not be romantic about baseball pretty easily. Oh, actually. Yeah. I, I routinely am yeah. not. Yeah. Um. Okay. So obviously, I, I don't want to overanalyze a game that obviously could have gone in so many different directions and there's the scenario here where we're talking about the one and two Packers and and it's you know crisis mode would have been it would have been the the is it time to panic in Green Bay question that we asked for a bunch of other questions that 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 is totally conceivable but the Packers won did this teach you anything about the Niners tonight Did it teach you about what they need to do going forward and what they do a quarterback
4: well if if we're talking about the Trey Lance question I mean we just had this conversation about Jimmy is what he is. Right. And we, we have enough of a sample size more than enough to know that. Uh, so does Kyle Shanahan. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to trust them that if Jimmy's still playing, that's for a reason. So this loss by no means says to me, like, turn it over to Trey Lance clearly after not using him in week two, like they, they put him in there for a few snaps and are happy to do that. Happy to have that change of pace. I don't think that there's anything that, you know, it's just sort of a race against the clock, right? Because we know Jimmy's limitations. They're the same ones that made the Niners want to go up and and be able to draft Lance in the first place. And now it's just a matter of how quickly can he be ready to the point where he's an actual on the field, snap in, snap out upgrade. Because if he's not playing more, I trust that that's the right decision right like there's probably some infrastructures in the NFL where i might say like this is ridiculous you know see week 1 chicago bears entries yeah. under but this one i'm going to assume that this is just sort of their best effort right and getting got by aaron rogers marching down the field for a game winning drive uh it's not that there's no shame in that but there're certainly it's not exactly something that's never happened to a worthy opponent before, so I I don't really think that losing this game sort of changes the trajectory of when they turn it over to Lance.
2: Ben, one thing I like doing is asking really broad questions uh, that you aren't prepared for, um, Hit me. that just just pigeonhole you to a take that um, that you probably don't want to make. Rank the NFC contenders for me right now after mm-hmm. a big big day of NFC contention jockeying. I guess you could say.
0: It's your your top tier is I think bucks rams the two teams that we saw play i think then the next tier down is green bay seattle or no not seattle get them out of there Mm, it's probably get them out of there it's probably it's probably bucks rams step down seattle and that's where i'm at and then like that third tier is niners uh seahawks seahawks are tough to trust because the defense is all over the place it is absurd watching this team try to field 11 players who all know what the other one is doing against NFL offenses. Just ridiculous. And then the Niners, I don't trust the quarterback that they've got. And if they put Lance in there, I think that like I said, they could become more explosive. Um, but you are talking about a rookie, very limited starts in the playoffs. So to me, I think bucks rams you're two clear contenders. And then the Packers, I saw this as a step back. Defense played better, impressed by what they were able to do in the running game against, uh, obviously, like a, a a banged up San Francisco backfield. But still, usually San Francisco could just run on anybody. Uh, and Green Bay's rushing defense, which really seemed like it was going to be a liability early, uh, steadied themselves a little bit against the Lions, then steadied themselves again against a good rushing attack in, in San Francisco. So if they can lean on that, Eric Stokes starting to play a little bit better. Defense can get good down the stretch. Uh, that leaves them still a contender for me.
2: Hmm. Um, so do you think the Rams are the best team in the NFC right now?
0: I, 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 they have the win against the Bucs. I yeah. would say like, if they play that a hundred times, it probably splits. Like, I don't think they're definitively ahead of the Bucs. Uh, I talked a little bit uh, at the top about the Bucs yeah. injuries in the secondary and the hope that they get, can get healthier. Um, but obviously them coming right off the wind, probably it does give them a little bit of an edge. I'm still a little concerned about that pass defense as well.
2: Uh, what does Trey Lance need to do to be ready? You watch so much quarterback mm-hmm. film. Like what, 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 what is the step there?
0: Yeah. So I, you're, primary concern with what you saw in the preseason was an unwillingness to trigger on open receivers, right? Garoppolo, tonight, missed open receivers. Guy's nowhere near him. Mohamedson, who has to go die for a catch that probably should have been called back on review, right? But at least he's triggering, right? And that's what Garoppolo's always been. It's been quick release, quick eyes. I understand how it's supposed to look, and if I see it, I'll fire. And then at times... It'll be a super tight window. Maybe we should not throw it there, and he'll still be quick to trigger. Lance, we would see pulling the ball down on open targets. That will never fly for Shanahan, right? So you have to have confidence that when I open them up for you, you're going to be able to knock them down, right? That's, I think, the number one hurdle. Uh, I don't think the playbook's too complex for him because you can really dumb this playbook down, just run bare bones and be successful. And I don't think the game is is like too fast for him. I think it is just some indecision. There's some in, uh, uh, uncertainty in what he's seeing. Nora's point that, you know, if they're still sitting him, then we probably, uh, there's still something there and and we, and we should trust that. I do agree with that. Up to uh, a wa- the water's edge. I brought this up before. I don't like love Kyle Shanahan as a talent evaluator. Uh, like right. Trey Sermon, who was his third round pick at running back, was the guy who got defaulted the carries tonight and didn't look too good. Uh, Joe Williams was that third round pick beforehand. You know what I mean? Like I'm not the biggest Brandon Ayuk fan in the world. Jalen Hurd was the second round pick. He tends to be a little bit uh idyllic in the talent that he brings in and yes. then when when the rubber meets the road he's like oh shoot like we gotta like deal with all this you know what i mean right uh, and, and then, so, and, then he
2: th- yeah. and then he discards guys really quickly
0: yeah he right and you're very you get mad dante pettis in the doghouse and brandon Ayuk in the doghouse and so i do think that there's a chance that the niners are objectively better with lance but Shanahan doesn't want to like deal with that yet because he thinks he can get Lance like a much better place than he is. Whereas the reality might just be put him out there, let him make his mistakes and grow with it. So, uh, I at this point, I just, I, I, the camera cuts to him after a Garoppolo second and 10 sack. And you're just like, this guy looks like he hates his life. Like, just put Lance in. Like, let's just get this process started a little bit. So, uh, to me, I, I I think that he should be going in at this point. I don't, I don't see the utility in waiting.
2: I, I completely agree. I mean, Jimmy. Garoppolo. It's clear to me that Kyle Shanahan just can't take this anymore, but doesn't seem to have many options. Um, Nora Packers. Anything you learned about them
4: tonight? This is a little silly, but if there were any questions about whether or not Rogers is bought in or if his mind's somewhere else, I mean, that guy looks excited to be doing what he's doing. That Week One thing looks pretty weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you know when weird things often tend to happen in in football week one yeah
2: in jacksonville yeah. it's funny because uh so james jones is on our tuesday show and i really enjoy that show it's him and, and ryan chazier and jason goff and i listened to the show the first week because I, I i wanted specifically to hear what he had to say because he obviously played with rogers he knows rogers uh, james jones broke the re- the story of rogers first most recent extension all that stuff they talk and so I was interested to see his analysis because I wanted like, oh, what were they doing to the receivers and all that stuff? And Jim Jones was like, you know, sometimes there's games where you just roll up and you're just like, wow, we just don't have it. This sucks. Vibes are off.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, the vibes are immaculate. And, and
2: initially I was kind of like, is that it? And then I was like, wait a second. Maybe... Maybe that's actually the best explanation of all. It's just like sometimes you just get to Jacksonville and you run a couple plays and you're just like, man, this is just not. I mean, the same way any of us, you know, we're good at like, you know, media stuff. And sometimes you're just like, oh, man, I got to grind this one out. And if you're playing in another NFL team, luckily, we're not when we're just writing a damn blog.
4: Mm, uh, thank God for that.
2: They'll make you pay. Um, yeah. So the week one, maybe it's just one of these weird blips on the radar.
0: And the other thing is, is the whole like good coaching staff, custom rig game plan, right? Like yeah. I think Rogers had a quote. It might have been on McAfee's show. I can't recall where he was. Like we thought they'd do anything but zone blitz. You know what they did? The zone blitz a lot. <laughs> they were just like sure. we didn't have the answer for that. Like, we weren't ready. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. To me, like we're getting closer and closer to that Saints game being a, a throwaway. I very much agree. Uh, like settled in during the second half against the Lions. Played a really good game, I thought, pole to pole against the, uh, the Niners. Zadarius Smith, let's get him back healthy. Uh, the continued issues of like our passive game is Devontae and yeah. occasionally Marquez Valdez Scanlon, those still exist. They existed last year and like they were really good. So I think we're getting closer and closer to being able to say for both Washington and also for the Bills, who had their big weird one week, week one game,
2: we're, we've we're moved on. We've grown from this. All right. Rodgers had zero timeouts, 37 seconds left and it won the game. Nora, talk radio question. Mahomes or Rodgers in that spot who'd you rather have?
4: Mahomes. I just think he can do he can do more ugh, he can do more different things wow. but
0: tough one. I have a question. How matter we that Kyle Yushik scored versus right. how how matter we that, <laughs>
2: that well, Kyle... well, so 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 we have we have a different Right. So this also happened in the Chargers game and it ended up not mattering where the Justin Herbert called, audibled into a pass instead of running out the clock. Anyway, what were we going to say?
0: So it's, right, Kyle Yushik breaks a couple tackles and scores, leaving 37 seconds left on the clock. The That play and the play previous, they had snapped the ball with 12 seconds and right. 13 seconds, I believe in right. both instances on a running play clock. Or excuse me, a running game clock. So, obviously, like, number one, coaching point from Kyle Shanahan should be, like, let's bring this clock down. We have all three timeouts. We have total control of the clock right now. Garoppolo, veteran quarterback, even if he's not told that, should understand that. We have all three timeouts. Let's bring this clock down. Whatever. I. Some people are mad at Juszczyk. I don't know. If you're a fullback and you have a chance to catch a touchdown, which I know he's like already caught some before because it's Kyle Juszczyk, but still, yeah, you go score it. And blame the other guys. So happy I, for Kyle. I'm with you. I, yeah.
2: I'm with you. I'm, so this exact, not the exact same scenario, but the, but the clock thing, less than a minute left uh, happened in with the chargers. And part of that was they didn't, you know, the wind is swirling all that stuff. We saw, you know, five seconds after Williams scored, they missed the extra point because of, of everything that was going on. So it ended up being a good decision. I think if you let, if you leave offensive players to their own devices, they will try to score a touchdown. That's mm-hmm. just how they're wired. Then so like your first superlative.
0: Yeah. Uh, so this is my bad award. That was kind of a good award. It's a little bit confusing. Uh, It is the Nick Foles Award for Miami Dolphins backup quarterbacks against Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Last year, Ryan Fitzpatrick, this year, Jacoby Brissett. Because this is the second time that a Tua absent Miami Dolphins offense has looked oddly better than when Tua's in there. And that's a conversation that obviously Miami's trying to, uh, uh, you know, walk on eggshells around a little bit. Uh, You know, they, they obviously looked at the quarterback market this past offseason walking with two as our starter we're not going to leave Fitzpatrick in the building we're going to let him go somewhere else bring in Brissett. everybody likes Brissett, but it's okay he's not like Fitzpatrick right uh and early on he wasn't you know what I mean the Dolphins scored 14 points early they had the pick six uh and then the the Raiders went for it on a fourth down just inside their own territory they're in the 34 yard line didn't get it and then Miami gets a, a quick score they're up 14 nothing and then they didn't score any points for a very long time. And probably uh, you can imagine that coaching staff and the way they're built said, we're going to try to sit on this ball. We're going to try to maintain this lead. We're going to win with some defense. Raiders, obviously a pretty good offense. They're able to get back ahead. They're able to get back ahead by multiple scores. And Miami's like, all right, we got to score some points. And Will Fuller's back. and Devontae Parker's still solid. And Jalen Waddle looks good as a rookie. And guess what? Jacoby Brissett can hang back there a little bit. He did a great job evading pressure. Really impressive, because Brissett's usually a very high sack number player. He did a good job under duress, moving around in the pocket, extending plays. And then all of a sudden, that arm strength, Brissett's got himself a little cannon there. Uh, He's able to hit some tight windows in the intermediate area, and he's able to to push the ball down the field. I mean, he was slinging the rock a little bit. You don't get that with Tua. Uh, JC Jackson said it. We knew once we got Tua off script, we'd get a pick off him. You know what I mean? Like, that's the book on that player. And so... Well, I I wouldn't go so far as to say the offense looked clearly better. That was the case with Fitzpatrick in 2020. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Dolphins got this game back. 28-28 tied it up. Or excuse me, 25-25 tied it up. Mm -hmm. And then they lose 31-28 in overtime. Um, But they got this thing back because when they needed to score points down multiple scores, they had the quarterback to do it. And they don't have that guy when the starter's in. And that's a a point of concern for a Dolphins team that's now 1-2. and Uh, They've lost... Uh, they lost to the Bills 35 nothing in in Tua's absence. But then once they had a week to game plan for Brissett, they're able to hang with like a, a a solid Raiders team that's playing really well. Uh, Miami once again, like it, it, they're kind of back where they were. They're a good team. They got a lot of good pieces. They could make the playoffs. Quarterback's the biggest question mark, uh, and that's not where you wanted to be when you were coming into the season with the whole shit built around Tua, the whole plan built around Tua. It's a tough spot to be in right now.
2: Here's what I like. Here's what I like about this. Raiders fans will complain if they win like two games in a row. They will complain endlessly that we're not talking about enough enough about them. So they're three and zero. They look really good. Derek Carr has thrown for 1,200 yards. Uh, I believe there's. Ruggs only three...
0: looked the best today that I've seen him in the NFL ever.
2: Only three quarterbacks in history have thrown for more yards in the first three games, and because it's the 17th game, that puts Derek Carr on track for the most passing yards of all time. But what I like about it is that Raiders fans are going to get so mad at you, Ben, for focusing on the Dolphins, not the Raiders. That's what I like about that segment. They're just going to come. They're going to at you. They're coming at you, buddy. Mm
0: -hmm. The Las Vegas Raiders are the first team in in a long time. Andrew Siciliano had the the exact tweet. I don't remember the time frame to start the season 3-0 against three teams who had at least 10 wins last season. Yes, yes. Sick. Awesome. I'm very happy. They've won two of those games in overtime. Yep. Here's the thing about overtime wins. Not a consistent way to win football. Uh, And they let the uh the dolphins all the way back in this thing when they didn't that's eat correct to. uh and so i like it i'm not fully buying it yet
2: uh i believe in since overtime was instituted they're the second team in history to win two of the first three games in overtime and and win the third game as well uh Nora, are the raiders good
4: <laughs> well uh, let me suck up to the raiders fans for a second because <laughs> their offense has been pretty good clear, clear
2: dividing lines
4: here on this podcast go ahead yeah I am your friend Raiders fans <laughs> at Ben Solak or whatever you're trying to handle it. Raider, is. Raider handle.
2: Nora. She's going to the black hole.
4: That actually sounds kind of fun. Um, I've mm. never been to Vegas, but mm. the Raiders offense has been good for a couple of years now. They've, got con- mm-hmm. they've gotten consistently better since John Gruden has been there. And Derek Carr has gotten consistently better since John Gruden has been there. And that's actually not. I just don't worry about that with them. Are they necessarily going to be the Chiefs? No, but they're solid. Do I think that the defense will be as good as it has been through three games through this entire season? Maybe not, but we just had yet another game and I'm with Ben that Brissette did a pretty good job of taking the pressure and avoiding it turning into big, uh, sack numbers, but Ngakwe and Crosby were still really, really good in this game. Um, had five pressures. Crosby had six. You're starting to get a decent enough sample size that says that this defense, it might not be great, but the difference between where they were last season and great includes a lot of space that they could occupy where it would really, really, really materially help the Raiders. So I believe in them at this point being significantly improved. And an offense that's similar to last year's group with a significantly improved defense, even if that just puts them middle yeah. of the pack defensively, that's a good team.
2: Ben, you wrote this week on the Ringer.com, where we all work, uh, about how the Raiders' defense is mm-hmm. part of the reason that this is happening. Um, what did you find in your research, and what do you think now? Because, I mean, I, I think that there's numbers out there that basically say that Derek Carr has always been making some pretty big time throws, and has had this level of play before over the past couple of years in the Gruden era, um, but it's never been matched with consistency on the side of the ball. And I'm curious uh, what you found when you started to dig into it.
0: Yeah. So the the name of the game right for the Raiders was a lot of a lot of offense. Defense was pretty poor. Uh, They ranked 28th in defensive DVOA last year, um, which they would have been like the fifth worst defense in the last like six or seven years to make the playoffs. Right. So that that was what was clearly holding the back. Gus Bradley gives them a higher floor. Right. His D defensive DVOA rating over the course of his career as a defense coordinator and head coach, generally better. But it's very conditional on who he has. Like when he was mm-hmm. in Seattle with very good players, it was good. And then when he was uh, with the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, right, with, with Seattle, with Jacksonville, when he had, uh, you know, like Miles Jack and Devin Smith and Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye and Clayus Cal- Campbell, everybody playing outside of their minds. Good defense. That's because they're very much a lineup and play defense. They put four on the line of scrimmage and they rush those four. They put one deep safety in two corners outside and they play cover three. They're not here to lie to you. Uh, and so the question you ask yourself is, how good is the Raiders' defensive personnel? Because Gus Bradley's not going to elevate, and he's not going to let them fall below that. He's going to give them high floor, low ceiling. And the Raiders' defensive personnel is good. It's fine. Uh, corner, they're probably overachieving a little bit right now. Trayvon Mullen's playing really well. That's nice to see. Linebacker, okay. We got KJ Wright, Denzel Perryman. They know the system. Max Crosby's leading the league in pressures. I don't know if that's going to stay up. Yannick Ngakwe's on like a career pace. I don't know if that's going to stay up. So it's a question of how how much do you believe in this defensive personnel? And I think they're good enough to be average and average is good enough to get the Raiders into the playoffs. But are they going to continue uh, like leading the league in pressures while also being last in the league in blitz rate? No, that's going to go away. That's unsustainable. So I think they end up a league average defense. I think they end up a playoff team.
4: Nora,
2: next.
0: All
4: right, so I'm going to start on the positive side. Uh, I'm giving the Life Imitates Art Award for a team taking on the personality of its quarterback to <laughs> the New Orleans Saints, who beat the oh, Patriots 28-13. No. Oh, no. to 13. And I need to start. Uh, this is actually not going to be a point centered around Jameis Winston. But I need to get this out of the way. Jameis threw the most Jameis touchdown I've ever seen yes. in my entire mm, yes. life. Please please, describe this game. it to the audience. If they so he's it. getting tackled to the ground. Like he has been wrapped up and is in the process of falling to the ground. And he just chucks it up into the end zone. Jameis has no idea what is in front of him. I've watched this several times. The only thing I can conceive being in his plane of vision is just like the sky. Cause it's an open air stadium. Like he's gotta be looking up. He has no idea who he is throwing to. As it happens, he was throwing to Marquez Calloway who was covered very tightly tightly, in the end zone. Mm -hmm. And yet somehow catches it for a touchdown. And it was just the most, I mean, quintessentially Jameis in the sense that either the play starts and you're sure it's going to be a disaster and it works out really well, as was the case here, or it's the opposite, right? And this, I mean, elevated the practice to an art form. And I didn't want that to be left unsaid beyond that, though. I think the thing that's encouraging for the Saints here is that this wasn't a Jameis win. He was 13 of 21 for 128 yards, two touchdowns, played well. Didn't have to do a whole ton. Mostly their defense, particularly the secondary, was really, really, really good here. Um, The score is more lopsided than it would have been if they hadn't had a pick six and another pick that was returned inside the 10. That kind of made a difference, pretty big difference in the game in two plays. But they got Marshawn Lattimore back. He was great. Malcolm Jenkins had the pick six and was fantastic. The tight ends for the Patriots just haven't been able to get anything going. and, And that continued. Um, Mario Davis was great. Yeah. The Patriots were making a point to throw it deeper down the field, which was something that Mac Jones really hadn't done the first couple of weeks. Couldn't do it effectively. No, this is ultimately a better winning formula for the saints all season long than just like Jameis occasionally do surprisingly amazing things. So seeing them win in a way that feels a little bit more solid, a little bit more replicable, um, I thought that was a, a big deal for them.
2: There's two types of no-look throws. There's the Mahomes no-look and the Fitzpatrick no-look. And Jameis is majoring in the
0: Fitzpatrick <laughs> style no-look. This is the no Fitzpatrick
4: look. style of no-look. Probably so, the
0: first time a quarterback's ever thrown a touchdown and then got chastised by his head coach on the sideline. Love without it. a doubt. Without a doubt.
2: So Belichick was asked about <laughs> Mac Jones' interceptions. The reporter said, what did you see on those interceptions? And Belichick said, quote, probably the same thing you saw. Uh, pretty bad day so he was 9 of 11 for 88 yards and shorter throws uh in the first half and um he was he started one of eight uh on downfield throws for 17 passing yards um he i i i feel like this was just a little bit of a step back ben what did you see from from mac jones
0: right uh As uh, I very rudely reminded Nora last podcast, Mac Jones did not attempt to pass more than ten yards down the field. Uh, or attempted one, I think it was right in in that Week Two game, which is just to say that uh, they're very much using Mac Jones as a point guard. They're using him as a facilitator, right? It's an attempt to get everything done on the chalkboard and then just implement it on the field. Uh, becomes difficult when defenses can really just match you up on personnel, right? Jets couldn't do it. Uh, Mm -hmm. the Saints a little bit better in defensive personnel, especially Jets couldn't do it. The, huh? uh, especially as that Saints uh, uh, defensive backfield now has gotten a little bit healthier. Uh, they're able to match up nicely. You know what I mean? Uh, Kendrick Bourne was a good day out of the slot, but the outside they can't do much. They're really struggling to, to get the tight ends working as well. We were kind of hoping that they'd be a deep play pass team as Mac enjoyed at Alabama with those heavy sets. They haven't really gone to unlock that yet. Uh, and so to me, I, this wasn't so much Mac played worse so much as it is if this this is all they got out of Mac in week one and week two, you just play a better defense, and it makes it a little bit hard to get it done.
4: They're also having trouble on the, on the line, which is surprising yeah. because part of it is that they don't have Trent Brown, but that had been a, a team strength from last year and seemed like it should have been going into this year. I was frankly surprised that they had him throwing down the field a little bit more. I mean, part of it is just the game script, but that tends to be the type of thing that just like becomes a big deal in the media and then they keep doing what they're doing he didn't really have the the protection to be attempting that. And obviously it did not go very well. I was surprised that they even veered away from that. Like just be the point guard. Don't try to do too much. It's okay to be right. boring.
2: No, they, they, they tried. They definitely tried at the end of the day, 30 of 51, um three interceptions uh you know he had some some okay throws as the time as as the the day went on but looking at his passing chart uh wasn't anything special especially deep so um yeah it was a bad day overall for rookies and we're going to get to that maybe contextually a little bit um but let's get to my next Superlative, and it's something I really want to talk about because this was, I think, I think this was the game of the day. I think this was the game of the day, and it, it was one of the plays of the season, strangely, and it's something that I've been waiting for since 2017 when I wrote a very long story about this. It's Ravens 19, Lions 17, and there's a lot to unpack. And the Ravens should not have won this game for a number of reasons, and and there's a lot of Lions fans who are really, really upset right now, and I I feel your pain. Um, the fall, the delay of game, which should have made. So let's back up here. Justin Tucker made a 66 yard game winning field goal as time Mm -hmm. expired. Uh, his previous long was 61 yards. Obviously, uh, this shatters by a few yards, the longest field goal in history. Um, that should not have happened. Uh, before that play, there was a delay of game that was uncalled. So it should have been either a 71 one yard field goal or hail Mary. Uh, before that Lamar Jackson converted a fourth and 19 on that drive. Um, and, and this was a uneven choppy game where the Ravens probably deserve to lose. Um, Hollywood Brown, uh, had some more strange plays. He had just a really, really, really bad drop. That could have been a touchdown. Um, this comes down to Justin Tucker's value. This comes down to the Ravens understanding end of game situations and knowing that they've had a guy who since he's been there has wanted to kick 70 yard field goals and he's tried, he's tried in some situations he's tried, but it's never been like this. And I went to Baltimore four years ago because he had talked about this. And they basically had made it a mission to make the longest field goal in the history of of football. And I met with not only Justin, but but, but the the punter and the holder and the kicker and the the long snapper and the special teams coach and all these guys. And this was an art for them. And they knew exactly the scenario where it would have happened. It would need to be warmer than colder. So when it couldn't have been later in the season, Um, it would have to be end of game. And you would have to have something in place to guard against the return, that was always what they were they were nervous about. Which is funny because Matt Prater today also tried the longest field goal in history, and it became the longest touchdown in history when the Jaguars <laughs> ran it back in the Cardinals Jaguars game. Um, but this was amazing. This was a game changer. Ben Solak, you wrote on the ringer.com today that Justin Tucker may be better at football than Patrick Mahomes is. What'd you find?
0: Yeah, why not? Uh, well, it was just great because uh, Next Gen Stats put out a, a graphic showing. Justin Tucker's field goal percentage over expectation, which is just shout out next gen stats for tracking this. And his is like, Tucker's is like 18%. You know what I mean? Like his for the attempts, the kicks that he attempts is 18% better chance of hitting them uh, than the average kicker. And Mahomes' is CPOE completion percentage of expectation is like four. And that doesn't matter because like he's attempting such difficult throws that it's like stupid. It's not real. But I was like, oh, like this over expectation uh, infographic would suggest that justin tucker is four times better yada 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 so then i just wrote an idiot piece for fun and gave it to riley and he let me put it up but uh it's a reminder that the internet it's a reminder that we see a quarterback take 45 dropbacks. we see 32 different quarterbacks do it and it gives us a paradigm for saying that quarterback is breaking the world in a way that no other quarterbacks are kickers we see occasionally and usually we dig. Like get up to go get chips because we wanted it to be a touchdown and it wasn't and it's easy to forget how tucker's bending space and time the same way mahomes it's not the same way but the same way in the sense that what he does at his peak level is so beyond that which other people are doing at their peak level that it's crazy like it's fourth and 19 the ravens have a 0.1 chance to win this game according to espn they pick up the fourth and 19, but Sammy Watkins like forgets to go out of bounds. And so they're in like a scramble drill to go get this ball snapped at the Lions' 48 yard line. And once they spike it, like, okay, we're in field goal range. That's on un- that's that that's no other team has that luxury. And it- it's shout out to Justin Tucker because he gives them that and he gave them that win. It was also an insane Lamar game, too. So they have Lamar and Justin Tucker. They're never gonna lose.
4: There's something we need to talk about here.
0: Okay. There's a lot we need to talk about.
4: Okay. We need to talk about the Lions piece in this, guys, because because the Lions Kevin, are never men- going to win a game. But Kevin, you mentioned that um, Justin Tucker's prior longest kick was was sixty one yards. Sixty one. Mm-hmm. That was in twenty thirteen, mm-hmm. against the Lions also at mm-hmm. Ford Field to beat them.
2: Yeah.
4: Justin Tucker also broke the the um, prior record of sixty three yards, which was by Tom Dempsey, Dempsey. in nineteen seventy to beat the Lions. Mm-hmm. I believe by like, the same score. If I'm not mistaken. Oh wow! I believe so, like,
2: that. I mean, first of all, every game was 19 to 17 in 1970. That was like a, that was yeah. a shootout back then. That was like Rams Chiefs in 1970.
4: <laughs> Just ending on a long field goal. I mean, that had to have been pretty exciting. I feel like the, the balls were all lumpy then too. Like that. He also
2: had a. Uh, this is. He also had a deformed foot. If you're, if you're familiar with Mister Tom Dempsey, yeah, he didn't have special he didn't cleat. Have, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, special cleat. He had the yeah.
4: special cleat
2: yeah mm-hmm. so I mean it was a, it was a different time back then. it was a different Don't, time back well, sh-
4: then. yeah all right. shout out to Tom Dempsey. The lions are cursed. The Vikings got in have beef with the ghost that makes you miss game winning field goals. The lions have beef with the ghost that has game winning field goals go against you. like it's just a tough scene
2: so i'm
4: reading I was reading the quotes from
2: Justin about this this quest, and it was really funny because there's a tension over the whole the whole thing, which is that. Tucker really wanted to do this, and he was waiting for this moment because his special teams coach is basically just like, we're not going to do this because we think it's cool. It has to be there's only one situation, and this was the situation. And it, Tucker actually said in the interview, I was actually rereading it tonight, he said, "You know, I, I don't care where the kicks are from as long as we're helping them win, as long as I'm helping the team win. But, he said, but I think the possibility that I can do this gives us an advantage. And so that I think this is like it, this is such a cool special teams dork thing for them. Harbaugh was special teams coach. I mean, the only person who would have enjoyed this more is Bill Belichick. And it's just a shame that he's had to watch Mac Jones instead today. He's going to watch it somewhere. He's going to enjoy
0: it. He's going to see the little crow hop. And be like, I always knew that's what you needed for that extra power.
4: It's like when you tell yourself you're not going to like scroll through an ex's Instagram. Or like someone you envy's Instagram page. And then like in the dead of night, you're like, all right, I'm going to see what they're up to.
0: I don't have oh. Instagram.
4: Thanks, Ben.
2: <laughs> Sorry. I, got, I was going
4: to laugh for you. I'm going to let that hang
2: it. out there. I'm going <laughs> to let that hang there for a while. Um, Our okay, listeners will so understand. Is, are either of you guys, because let's be honest, the Ravens should not have won this game for like a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. There were not a lot of paths to Ravens victories. Um, they almost lost to the Lions today either of you guys worried about what you saw?
0: I mean, it's it's simply uh, the Ravens. The need to solve wide receiver was clear. They spent a first and a third at the position in the draft, and they brought in a free agent in Sammy Watkins. Watkins is continuing to be what Watkins has always been, which is like a good weapon, but he's inconsistent, he's unreliable. Uh, they need to get Bateman back on the field. Tylen Wallace hasn't really gotten snaps, their third round pick, because uh, Mark Andrews struggles massively with drops, especially in high leverage situations, and Marquise Brown struggles massively with drops in high leverage situations. Uh, and then Brown's also he's not like a as much of a yak getter as you'd hope because he's he's a, so diminutive of frame. Uh, and so they knew they needed to address wide receiver. And the main issue, like I said, it was a crazy Lamar game. Lamar was dotting dudes up. And he just could not buy a catch uh, from Watkins, from Brown, or from Andrews. Like, they, their pass catcher situation is as bad as anybody else's in the league. They're barely holding on to 2-1. and one. They need Bateman to be back and be good, like, tomorrow.
2: I was going to say, you know, normally we wouldn't say, well, they, you know, they just beat the, the, the Chiefs six days ago. There's no time to panic. But then I remember that the Chiefs are also washed. So maybe this whole thing is a house of cards. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Broncos are the only yep. good team, and let's get to them
0: yeah this is my good award which is the uh we haven't beaten a team with a win yet award which i just find <laughs> who just could shoot? that possibly yeah. go to <laughs> i just think that's awesome i think it's so cool that, that the broncos are three and oh and they face the O and three giants who just lost to the <laughs> it's falcons
2: like the old bill snyder kansas yeah. state teams who just played a yeah. bunch of division one I- in great. sacramento state
0: listen we're three and oh DVOA, we look awesome our defense is averaging like nine points surrendered a game or something so they beat the, they beat the giants in week one giants are out in three. Yep. they beat the jags in week two jags are out in three and then in their home opener they shut out the jets and they won 26 to nothing uh and the thing the reason why i want to put them here in the good column and it's a little tongue-in-cheek obviously because as, as i say they haven't beaten anyone with a winning record but the reason i want to put them here is because i really like what i see on film Teddy's aggressive. He's willing to push the ball down the field. That offensive line, uh, you know, had some young players take a step forward in Dalton Reisner and, and Garrett Bowles. You wanted to check and see if that was going to continue to be the mm-hmm. case, if that level of play was going to stay, and it does. Defense looks ferocious. I mean, the Bradley-Chubb absence is going to hurt, but Vaughn Miller looks fully back. That's delightful. The corner depth is great. Patrick Sertan looks amazing. On film, everything's great. I I believe this Broncos team has some teeth. I just did you just beat three oh and three teams and so I don't know how far I'm willing to go on that you know what I mean Uh, they get the Ravens and they get them at home which is great because mile high in in September is usually a really big advantage in terms of your conditioning and your adjustment to the thin air and so on and so forth so they get a Ravens team at home which has some very clear weaknesses Cortland Sutton looks like he's coming back along nicely Tim Patrick's playing well so that the Jerry Judy absence Shouldn't be too limiting. They should be able to throw the ball on the Ravens. They should be able to pour some points on the Ravens. I think they have a chance to beat the Ravens right now. Uh, They opened as a a minus one, so it's a small favorite. I think they'll Mm -hmm. close right around to pick them. Uh, Beat them, and we'll start treating you seriously because you do have to beat a team that's won a game in order to get that treatment. But I will say, I generally love what I'm seeing on film from the Broncos. It's just they, they need an actual... Uh, uh, opponent they need someone who's gonna punch back and they haven't gotten that yet and that's gonna be an important team for them to respond to so Baltimore comes in Uh, I I think Baltimore wins it but even if the Broncos uh, lose a tight game they'll add a lot to their legitimacy so shout out to them you know handling business against the bad team shout out against the Jets they were fully dominant that's awesome Uh, now comes rubber hitting the road when the the Ravens come to town
2: Nora do you want to talk about the Broncos maybe being good or even with the Jets being just an absolute disaster
4: I don't want to talk. It, the Jets thing is too He, he could like, pass the, the, on just the whole game. The Quinn Jets and Williams were like really.
0: Quinnen looked yeah, amazing. And Williams. Quinnen, Quinnen and looks awesome. I love Quinnen Williams. I could Quinnen name Williams. three other That's Jets it. defenders, but Quinnen looks great.
4: Ben, we've been doing this for a year. Yeah. Like and Williams is just not enough to turn this frown yeah. upside down. It is. I mean, you're, I guess you're you new can say to this, it, Ben.
2: You don't right. understand the Jets fans in our orbit, in our lives, who. Don't want anything to do with this team. They assume the worst.
0: My mom is a th- Jets fan, so I grew up with it.
2: They're not only assuming the worst; they're getting the worst. Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, I do have a question for you guys. Did did do you think Zach Wilson took the coaching to heart? And does this qualify as a boring game? A
2: boring game? Uh, yeah. I think it yes. had a more boring game. I yeah. I I would like to
4: point this out. So
2: ESPN put out a stat. After the game, that the Jets had three first half points in their first three games of the season, so three total points, and that just ties the franchise record.
0: <laughs> it's so uh, bad.
2: Uh, what are we doing here, guys? <laughs> you think you you'd have total ownership of that record if you score three points through three games?
4: <laughs> it's worse than the rookie quarterbacks who threw four interceptions and. In the- right off the bat stat.
0: Uh, It's not good. Did you see the Greg Van Roden quote as well? Uh, I didn't know. He's he's one of the offensive linemen for the Jets. Uh, On the pressure Zach Wilson faced today, quote, he's got to learn this is the NFL. You've got to get the ball out. You can't hold on to it and try to make a play and throw it deep downfield. And we've got to protect him better. It starts with us up front. Not wrong. Not wrong. That sentence
4: sure didn't start with you
0: up front, Greg. (laughs) Not incorrect in terms of the facts. The message, however, feels distinct.
4: It feels like this is worth mentioning that um, I believe I saw a headline that uh, John Mara apparently like kicked a trash can Tried over to today can. because. I threw
2: of, that in the chat. Thanks for yeah. like, clicking on it. The
4: state of
0: New York football is not good. Giants haven't had a winning is record since okay. 2015, I think. Like, that's let's ask John. largely.
2: The Giants, they were good in 2016. Remember? Remember that? Was it 2016? There was a McAdoo oh, okay. renaissance. Um, so I, Nora, asked Alex Smith about that stat on Tuesday. Because remember, the yeah. stat was that the top five picks, the the four. Yeah, slow news day. Yeah, yeah. Guys who had zero touchdowns and, and four interceptions, the last four, three of them were Jets and Alex Smith. So I was like, Alex, give me some advice on like how to bounce back from that. Because obviously, he had the best career of any of those guys, obviously, probably because he didn't play for the Jets. But. I expect him to be like, you know what? Just like, put your head down, go through it, don't read the media. Instead, he was like, yeah, that was one of the worst nights of my life. It took me years to get over it. I still haven't gotten over it. I still think Mm -hmm. about it all the time. And then he got into a bit about how he wishes he had stayed in school longer. So that might be what's going through Zach Wilson's mind and not necessarily like, we're going to grind this out. I mean, I actually expected a little, Some Alex Smith is an amazing analyst. I'm glad he gave me that honesty. But that's actually closer to what's going through any rookie's mind when they struggle, rather than just, like, you know, get knocked down 20 times, get up 21. Like, that, that's actually, like, harder to do than, like, oh, my God, I wish I was not in this situation. We did a reader question, uh, would you rather play quarterback right now for the Bears or the Jets? And I say pass.
0: I, I have thoughts about the Bears' game plan, but that's Steven's thing, and I won't touch it. Oh, wow.
2: Tough one. Tough one for you, buddy. That's Good okay. thing you have a midweek podcast.
0: Yeah, I'm very happy to bite my tongue for like 48 hours. And then uh,
2: Nora, not. quickly, are the Broncos any good?
4: They're decent. I think they're decent. I think this is like exactly. I mean, if it's if they're not playing the Jets, the score is different. Right. But Teddy, only five passes went 10 plus yards down the field, Um, but still really efficient. 12 of his 19 completions were for first downs. That's like a very Teddy Bridgewater situation. Yep. I think they're a good team. I don't think that they're winning the Super Bowl, but I think they're a good team. For the Alex
2: Smith interview, it's on my Twitter. It's on Slow News Day. It was good. He's really good. He turns out he's a delightful person and he should be on every television show. All right, Nora, last superlative.
4: All right. So this is my not so happy one. Um, I'm calling it on the bright side, it's good if you have Najee Harris in a PPR League award. <laughs> it goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I have some worries about. Because to me, so they lose to the Bengals 24 to 10, they're one and two, and they just look like an offense that they don't have another pitch to throw. So Roethlisberger, he finishes 38 of 58 for 318 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. He's getting the ball out in 2.28 seconds. Um, 32 of the 38 completions were within 10 yards. So everything is just, I mean, he can't go downfield. And we've known this, but it is rising to such a level where I just don't know what they do to try to fix it. And here is the moment that sort of con- um, represented this better than anything that I've ever seen. So they have a fourth and 10 in the red zone and Ben throws a swing pass to Harris that gets blown up. Um, Tomlin's asked about it after the game and he says, we had quote, we had fired all of our bullets at that juncture in terms of some of our play selection. Right. That doesn't surprise me at all. They don't have anything in the book. They don't have anything in the book to do. They don't have anything else that they can go to. And so the thing that I'm I'm curious about to you guys, and, and I, I mean this genuinely, I'm not trying to be snarky here. The situation is that their backups are Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins, right? So my big picture point here is I just don't know what you'd do to fix this. What backup quarterback, like what is the line where you would feel like, okay, bench Ben, like the other guy is probably going to be better.
2: So the problem in my mind is not necessarily going all in on Ben Roethlisberger. We've seen, we've seen franchises do this in the past and it's fine. The problem at part of the phrase all in is that it means you have no plan beyond it. And not having nothing. And and I think that the Minka Fitzpatrick trade year um, when they, they won with Mason Rudolph and and duck Hodges and and they grinded out a really good season, I think impressed everybody as far as the culture goes, as far as Mike Tomlin goes, as far as the defense goes, all of that stuff, but they maybe learned the wrong lessons from it. They actually need a good quarterback. I don't, I'm sorry that the Pittsburgh Steelers team seems to be the only team (laughs) that doesn't understand this. Please have a plan beyond a quarterback who has ice packs on every limb as much as he possibly can like we knew he was done there was a jason lock and for report on sunday morning that said oh well you know what the steelers are starting to realize might be the end for ben roethlisberger did the steelers facility just get internet on saturday <laughs> did they find? Did game pass were they waiting mm-hmm. for the game pass for the all 22 did they not have it they hadn't seen any tape they were just waiting around it's so for their glitchy login. now. I guess that's they're fair. just hitting, they're just hitting refresh. Is that what we're doing here? Like, I, I I just don't understand how you how an entire organization can have their head in the sand like this and not get a backup. So I I just think that they're stuck now. I mean, they're not going to go out and try to get Philip Rivers out of retirement. He told Sam Farmer before the season that he would come back if it was the right situation. I don't even think this is the right situation. Ben is. Is a big force in that organization, and Ben's done a lot of good things. I'm not here to underrate Ben Roethlisberger. He is he is he's done very very good things to our franchise, and things can get way worse after him. But right now, they've got a defense that, in theory, when everybody's healthy, can win games. And they don't have a quarterback who can. They don't have an offensive coordinator who gels at all. Like I'm not even sure Ben Roethlisberger has even met Mac Canada at this point. Ben, what do you think?
0: I always I always whenever we talk about Roethlisberger, I always think you're tossing to me. And but you never are. You're just saying Ben because you're talking about Roethlisberger. Yeah, I'm so, talking
2: about the guy. I'm talking about the, yeah. the guy, the hugely famous quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Just,
0: it throws me off.
4: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Your your knees work.
0: Yeah, I actually I got a bad left knee, but it's not. We're gonna go into that now. You do?
4: Yeah.
0: The thing with Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh is it's such a it's it's like the exemplar of when we say like you either have a quarterback or you don't. And the way uh, if you don't have a quarterback, it just drastically limits what you can do offensively. Like I don't want to like unnecessarily pick on the Vikings, but like we always talk about Kirk Cousins is this kind of like middle tier quarterback that like is fine and analytically looks good. But like he just limits what you can do on offense. It's hard to see because like they put up 35 points sometimes and like the offense works and whatever. With Roethlisberger, it's very clear like that. You're just so limited in terms of what he can do, where he can get the ball, And how he wants to get it there. That offense is fake. It doesn't exist. There's just no way to actually move the ball down the field. You get to fourth and 10. You're like, all right, we've called all seven plays that we have 18 times.
4: It's week three, by the way. Like, yes, there's a limited number of plays that you like in that situation. But in a normal functioning offense with a normal functioning quarterback, like you're not running into this situation in week three.
0: Yeah. And so when you have that guy who like has been good enough lately to win some games and you have a good defense, but he's not he's actually he's not the guy. He's clearly not like the dude. Well, then you're only spending a third round pick on Mason Rudolph and you're only bringing in an ex first round pick in Dwayne Haskins. And you're not doing the necessary things to Kevin, as you say, make the plan B to to, to bring along the next stage. Right. That's why, like when the Niners traded up for Lance with Garoppolo in hand, we were like, holy smokes like they're making it very clear like they are moving forward to plan B. You,
2: right. You also limit your options if you go all in in one year. Like are they where they're going to pick Sam Howell 19th next year and they're going to right they're going to suck with him? Like I, yeah. I that's it. It, it. The more years you look and evaluate the quarterback position. I mean like we all make fun of the Eagles, but they're evaluating the quarterback position all the time. And like everybody kind of it's become a meme a little bit, but they're thinking about it. it. Like Mahomes was drafted when Alex Smith was a pretty entrenched starter remember mm-hmm. that? And so I just think that the the more, you know it's, it's funny, but I, not to quote Thomas Dimitrov, who was on the pod last week, but but I remember him saying that one of the reasons you sign a quarterback like Matt Ryan to an extension is because when you don't have a quarterback in the building and this uncertainty about the uh, quarterback, you feel it in the building because everyone's like, am I going to lose my job in like six months because you don't have a quarterback? And I think that the only thing worse than not having a quarterback is knowing that for the next thirteen weeks, you're committed to a bad quarterback. Mm-hmm. And there's it's nothing purgatory. you can do. That's why we call it. And that Ben Roethlisberger is too big to fail. Mm-hmm. No, you know, shots at his physique.
0: But, but, but. Najee Harris with 103. Yeah, yeah look at that positivity. Baby. PPR.
2: Hey, hey, the Bengals are back. Two and one. Little buzz.
0: <laughs> Bengals process. Uh, little, little buzz. The main thing that you notice there is TJ Watts gone. And the uh, Steelers get no sacks and no pressures on a team that gives up a lot of sacks and a lot of pressures. Uh, and this is kind of, uh, you know, going back to that Bills game and, oh, like defensively, they dominated. Like, holy smokes, the Steelers can just ride this defense forever. That was a custom rig plan. That was, we've had three months to plan for the Bills. Uh, now, like obviously, you lose your star player and you had some corner guys depart. You know what I mean? You're a little bit uh, uh, weak. You know you brought in Joe Schobert to try to shore up linebacker. You know what I mean? Like, they're not as complete of a defense as week one told us, you lose Watt and you just don't have any pitches left. Like That's really, really tough. Uh, So hopefully Watt gets back in healthy. He looks unbelievable this year. But the Steelers' defense, good? Not carry that
4: offense forever, good. Jamar Chase can definitely catch.
2: Yes, that's true. Turns out the preseason narratives are wrong on him. I had boots on the ground in Cincinnati. I saw this whole thing coming. Uh, Ben, you have to leave. Steven Ruiz is coming on to talk about Justin Fields. You have... 10 seconds to give us your bear's take and then you can expand on it. Frickin' on the- roll him out
3: he can move. He's 4'4", 230 pounds. Get him out of the pocket.
4: Thank you, Kevin.
2: See you Friday.
0: How a good one, guys.
4: <laughs> Bye, Ben.
0: Bye, Nora. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that.
2: All right, now it's time for Ruiz's rips. A uh, little backstory here. When I came up with this segment when we were putting together this show for this year, literally, and everybody who was around then can attest to this, literally I was like, you know, I think that the most important thing is to have Steven just lock in on one thing because what happens when Justin Fields makes his first start in week three and something else is a bigger deal and we're just going to have him lock in on Justin Fields? I had no idea that was literally going to, become the 100% truth. It's exactly what happened. It's week three. Ruiz is here to lock in on Justin Fields. My hypothetical scenario to justify the segment has come true, and it was bad. It was a bad performance by Justin Fields. That part I did not see. Steven Ruiz, give us a rip.
1: You're a you're a visionary. You know who's not a visionary? Matt Nagy. <laughs> not a visionary. I that was solid. I was... Like, before I came on to the pod, I, I, I spent the last 10 minutes trying to convince myself not to say something horrible about Matt Nagy. Like, I don't want to say anything that's going to get me fired. Don't like get sued. I, don't get sued. Right. I don't want to get sued. Yeah. My take is that Matt Nagy should be fined by the NFL. <laughs> that's For the- one specific I'm offense? Gonna go. All of them. You heard yeah, me. Yeah. All, all, all of, of them.
4: Well, no, no no no, uh, no, 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 no. I, I want you to play this out for me. Like, what is this? Like a class action thing among fans? Yeah. Where having been subjected to the Bears' conduct,
1: offense? conduct detrimental to the league, to football,
4: okay. yep. to, to, to football, football, to Justin
1: Fields' life, his safety. Okay. No, but so, let me let me explain yep. why. And I like. I feel like the last sack. He got sacked nine times. Lost sixty-seven <laughs> yards. His 20 draw, his 29 dropbacks produced one net yard. One. Yep. Yep. And I think the last sack like sums up the game and the game plan and why it was bad by Nagy. He, so he calls a five step drop from the gun, which, you know, when you take a five step uh, drop from the gun, you're going to be back like 11 yards. So basically, Mm -hmm. you're asking Jason Peters to block Miles Garrett. It's basically a race to the quarterback, a race to the spot. Miles, he didn't even get a hand on him. And Miles Garrett just goes around him and sacks him. And it happened over and over and over again. Like, you're relying on Jason Peters. You're keeping him on an island, not giving him a lot of help. A lot of five-man pass protection calls. Not a lot of, like, movement passes. Not a lot of bootlegs. Not a lot of runs. Even though It was 13-3 to going into the fourth quarter. So it wasn't like some crazy blowout, although it did feel like it. But uh, David Montgomery got 10 touches. He was the only running back that touched the ball. Got 10 carries. Like there was no. No tactics to help fields out. They didn't try to make it easy on them. They tried to make it as hard as possible. They ran the Andy Dalton offense, which is an indictment of of the game plan to me. Mm -hmm. Why are you running the same offense for Justin Fields that you run for Andy Dalton?
2: So there's a lot to get to. We got a listener question that I quite liked. Um, I think the answer is no, but I'll, I'll just throw it out here. Uh, it's from Nat. Uh, you have the world's top 100 Madden players calling player, plays for the Bears today. What percentage of them get more yards than Matt Nagy? Uh,
1: 37.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, knowing what Fields does well, what changes need to be made for next week?
1: I think they need to do what they did for Mitch late last year. It was like in December he finally realized like, oh, maybe if I run like this Shanahan style of offense, a lot of play action, a lot of handing the ball off. If I run that for Mitch, he doesn't have to think too much. He could just make throws like it's going to make his job easier. I think you have to do that with fields and not because he has limitations in that regard, although he does hold on to the ball a fair amount. But your offensive line stinks. You can't block anybody. He, like I said, he holds on to the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like you're asking for him to get hit and hit and hit, and that's what happened. I've, obviously, they're not going to play Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney every week, but it's not going to get much better the pass protection. So I think the best way to slow down the pass rush if you don't have an offensive line is call a lot of play action and run the ball a lot. Yep, that's the only way I think it works.
2: Miles Garrett set the Browns record with four and a half sacks today. Uh, not good. Uh, now I let's kind of divorce fields from from the play calling and some of the mistakes around him and this was not a perfect game by him by any means what specific mistakes did he make um just in a vacuum I'm,
1: i he only got a chance to throw the ball 20 times and it was all short stuff like he wasn't throwing okay. the, he wasn't pushing it downfield but i think it was this like holding the ball too long and scrambling and trying to make plays that weren't there but honestly, I don't think he played poorly from like a decision standpoint or even like an accuracy standpoint. He just didn't have a chance. Like no quarterback is surviving that or playing well. Like it, it looked like Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Obviously, Fields isn't Mahomes, and he can't throw thirty-yard passes while he's like parallel to the ground. But I, I just don't see how any quarterback wins like that. And we saw like worse rookie performances. This, even this like Zach Wilson's game was way worse than what Fields did, in my opinion. So I don't think it was that bad for Fields at least.
2: All of the rookie quarterbacks are winless except Mac who beat another rookie.
1: And they threw like seven combined interceptions today. <laughs> I feel like these guys are going to throw How... Mac has 3 and I think he has the least amount of interceptions. Yeah. He
2: had 3 today, yeah. Good lord. This is not good. Are these guys is this just a bad you know bad situation these guys are going into? I mean obviously belichick is, is that's that's stable infrastructure normally but like it, could you put your finger on this at all steven about why these guys have been this bad they're in crappy situations
1: honestly mm-hmm. like fields doesn't have a chance uh wilson doesn't have a chance mac jones has like you said a good coaching staff but it's not like the patriots offense is built for a quarterback like him one and it wasn't good for the quarterback the last two quarterbacks like Cam Newton obviously struggled. Tom Brady yeah. the year before that. Tom Brady looked washed because the offense was so bad around him. So even Mac, who gets the coaching staff.
4: I mean, Mac hadn't thrown a pick when he was averaging, you know, was the depth of target was like, like 3, 4.5 right? yeah. and then 6.7 or something. Yeah. And then this game, when they have him try to throw it down the field against a better secondary, then it changes. Right. So it's just, I mean, to your point. When these guys are in situations that are not ideal, either based on what teams that they're a part of or who they're facing, it's happening across the board.
2: Steven, our boss Bill Simmons had Josh McDaniels having an F-minus-minus season so far this year. Do you concur?
1: I, I don't want to put it on McDaniels. Like I thought last year he did the most that he could with that roster, and I think it's yeah, kind I of the same that. thing this this time around. I just don't think he has the, the horses to run, the type of offense you need to yeah. run with Mac Jones. Like you don't have the receivers to do it.
2: I tend to agree. Um, you have 30 seconds to end up Ben Roethlisberger. All right.
1: I Ben Roethlisberger is one of the five worst quarterbacks in the NFL right now. He is, he is the problem. He is the whole problem. Everything about the team. I know the offensive line isn't good. He makes it worse, but I know the receivers drop a lot of passes. He makes them worse. The running game is bad. and, it's probably because he doesn't want to be under center. And that's why the play action is also bad. Like he is holding this team back. They need to, like they should bench him. I'm going to come out and say it play Dwayne Haskins.
4: Steven, can I I ask you? Okay. Dwayne Haskins can be your answer if that is really your answer, but can you name me one other backup quarterback, like league wide who you would bench Ben Roethlisberger for? Like what's the line?
1: Uh, Like, I feel like Andy Dalton, even though he's not a backup, is an upgrade over Ben Roethlisberger in 2021.
4: It's a tough scene.
1: Am I wrong, though? Did you see the one pass where he just fell down and he he wasn't pressured at all? He's an old man. That's what they do. (laughs) It's like we're at the point where when Ben falls, I'm like concerned a little bit. Like, he should have a life
4: alert. (laughs) It does. You expect it to sound like like an old creaking redwood falling in the forest. no. Oh, no. Life Alert Roethlisberger. Oh,
2: God. <laughs> this is terrible. You're almost 30, like, Stephen. You'll get there,
1: buddy. I don't know. No one wants to watch. We don't want to watch this. Like, Ben, just hang it up. You've played. You've won two rings. You've, he you've didn't want to.
4: Life. He held them hostage. Hey, and he's now he's we have to like watch He's making like $30
1: it. million dollars a year. And the thing is, like five years ago, he always like hinted at retirement. He's like, "Oh, maybe I'll hang it up." Like, no, now like, do no, it no, now. He was like, now. "He
2: was like, maybe I don't have it anymore." And then he would yeah, just throw four touchdowns the next week and just limp around while throwing darts and wow. And, that, and then now he doesn't do that.
4: And then when they extend TJ Watt, he would say things like, "This is why I restructured my contract was to free up." Dude, what money. a
2: selfless guy!
4: <laughs> what a team you player. Did it so you wouldn't get cut. What's his cap hit this year? Kirk
2: Cousins and uh, Russell Wilson played today, and they were the two highest contracts in the league, or two highest cap hits in the league today. And it showed. They're just two great quarterbacks. <laughs> every, worth
1: every single penny.
4: Ben Roethlisberger's cap hit is $26 million.
1: Oh, that was him taking a, ca- uh, a pay cut?
4: Yeah, they did a, the was, restructure. Um, gosh, did the restructure take $9 million off the cap? It's not great.
2: He's the sixth highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Um, Garoppolo makes more. Matt Ryan makes more. Listen, quarterback contracts are all bad, but this one's yeah. particularly bad. So,
1: but anyways. you've have you noticed that he stopped hinting at retirement? Because if he did it today, everyone would be like, "Yes, do it, please." Do it. like we're not going to. Wouldn't it you to be that.
2: funny if he
1: tried to come back next year?
2: Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if he was just like, "I'm all in. I'm I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm just I'm I'm ready to rock in 2022." He That'd said that during training funny. camp.
1: Yes, it would. Well, no, I like, know, I know. Funniest? He said that, but
2: he, you know, what he was doing, Stephen? No, he he's lying. He's not in the best shape of his life. <laughs> he was lying to the people. It
4: was a lie. It was a
2: huge lie. He's A liar. I, I, a I, huge, I didn't consider that a Huge lie. That he was in the best shape of his life. This explains everything.
1: Yeah. So.
2: All right, anything else on Justin Fields you missed, bud?
1: Uh, No, Like, but I really don't think it was his... He didn't have a chance, and I don't even think he played poorly. I, I wouldn't put any of it on him. It's all the coaching staff. Any of it? No, honestly, like, I couldn't find a play where I was like, that was a bad play, like a bad throw or bad decision. Like, he shouldn't have done that. But there was, like, five plays that you could actually evaluate, so... Was-
4: <laughs> May I contribute the Matt Nagy post-game quote of... You almost can't even make it up. It's that bad.
1: Like, you shouldn't be saying that if you're the coach, by the way. Like, it's a great it's a great quote, but you're in charge of it.
4: <laughs> there also was a camera angle that got Andy Dalton mouthing, or I guess he would have been saying it out loud. But it looked like he was mouthing it because you could just see him on the camera going. The offense just isn't working from the sideline. I mean, yeah, that could have
1: been the whole 13 reasons why.
2: 13 reasons why it could have just been the offense not working. Yeah, the, you know what i'm all i want this is the bar i want the bears to clear for the rest of the year i want a segment that doesn't just end with all of us sighing and not knowing where to go from here because we're talking about the bears and we're not going to get there we're not going to get there yeah. in 17 weeks
1: in two weeks hey, i'm going to be Beckham clamoring for andy dalton
2: what it, yeah for the other team all sorts of people are yeah. good on the other side
4: Okay, well you wanted something I've ever been a sigh about the Bears and I gave you Yeah, credit. you
2: started naming people who don't play for the Bears. That's an easy game to play.
4: Justin Herbert?
2: Miles great.
1: <laughs> it's looking so, up at the Bears. Justin nice Herbert Jason, had a great game.
2: I went to a Jason Isbell concert last night. I enjoyed that. You see, you could do this all day. Anything My outside, grandma turned 90. Happy birthday. What's her name? Barbara. Barbara. Happy birthday, Barbara. But see, all of these things exist outside of the Bears universe. That's fine.
4: Actually, my grandmother's from Barrington, Illinois, so she's probably pretty upset you, about it.
1: Do you think if Barbara called the plays today, they would have more Duh. than one net passing yard?
4: Oh, yeah. She would have called at least one boot action. Well, I, I actually right. think so. Like, if you put in
2: a, someone who doesn't know about playing, we got it. Well, let's let's not go too far on this path. Justin Fields would just call his own place. Yeah, that would be if better. If it was just gibberish, right? So it might end up being a net win. All right, uh, we've ended on what happens if Nora's nine-year-old grandma Barbara is calling the plays. So that means we've we've reached the end of, uh, of Ruiz's rips. Thank you, buddy. See you next week. Can't wait. Happy
4: birthday, grandma. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
3: This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com.
2: We don't have time for hurry up tonight. Um, we'll get to the games. Any team we miss tonight, we'll, we'll get to. There's uh, a lot going on. And we've also, we've also shouted out the Bills. Josh Allen had an amazing game. They're all the way back. And our reader question, will focus on the Seahawks. It's from Joe. Is the current version of Pete Carroll a bad head coach? We have also a number of questions about firing Pete Carroll, about firing the defensive staff in mass. Um, we have a lot, I would say, aside from, from Matt Nagy, where the questions were answered in, in Ruiz's razors, uh, I would say that mad Seahawks fans asking questions here uh, about how to fix this would be number one. Nor you have the floor. Help me.
4: So, I th- the answer in my heart is no. I will say I'm struggling for data points t- to back this up. I mean, you know, Pete Carroll is a very accomplished NFL head coach. Ultimately, the Seahawks have been a good team for a long time. They have a solid infrastructure. They have, you know, the most valuable asset in Russell Wilson. Um, things haven't been great, but. I just like his attitude. I feel like I would play hard for Pete Carroll if if he were my coach.
2: <laughs> okay. that That's a reason. That's a reason. Okay. So. I'm just, a Pete
4: Carroll defender. So this question is like very hard. Sure. For me sure. To, okay. Hard for so me the Vikings.
2: The Vikings beat the Seahawks 30 to 17. The Vikings played a, a, a very good game. Um, Kirk had 323 Kirk yards. Cousins
4: played a very good game.
2: Three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um Justin Jefferson, 118 yards. This is, they were on the verge of a loss. season, And I think that there were a couple of teams that had controversies in, in training camp where it looked like things were going off the rails. And then if you start 0-3, you're off the rails. You're not just a team that seems like you're off the rails. You're a team that's off the rails. The Vikings avoided that today. The Seahawks are also 1-2 in a division that has the Rams who look like they might be the NFC's best team right now. In a division where the Niners are still really good and in a division where the Cardinals, and this is the math problem we talk about all the time, they're 3-0 and I don't care if they're better than the Seahawks right now, they're 3-0 and at some point you have to win more games than to make the playoffs. So I think that Pete Carroll is not a bad coach. I think that they have the talent to win. I think that the, as Ben alluded to earlier in this podcast, the defense right now just has no idea what it's doing. But well, and a, a
4: couple players on the team gave comments that basically were like, We were out schemed on defense. Which I, you know, yeah, okay, do you assign okay. that to Ken Norton? Do you okay. assign that to Pete Carroll? I, I, like, I, I, I don't know. Has any team
2: over the past decade said post game, We were out schemed more than the, the Seattle Seahawks? That's oh, all they, they do, I'm, that's all they do. Absolutely, they lose not. games, and then they, they someone turns on a tape recorder and they go, Well, you know, I feel like we could have. We could have had a little better. We were out-schemed today. I feel like we could have done a little bit more. I mean, it's the same. The Seahawks have been playing the same game for nine years. The fans just get mad at at wins and then happy at losses, except this one, and then they just complain about getting out-schemed. And and, and I, 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 I don't know. Pete Carroll is a good coach. And he makes dumb mistakes sometimes, and I understand. I mean, I, you know, we we have a lot of Seahawks fans in our lives. Mina Kimes has talked about this. Danny Kelly has talked about this, and I think that you have to understand that Pete Carroll is not a good kind of modern football coach. He's not Brandon Staley. He's not Sean McVay. Right. But he is a good football coach. Maybe he's not the type of coach that we necessarily understand why they're good because we subscribe to certain. Metrics or whatever like this is this is bigger than our small brains comprehending the modern game. I like Pete Carroll. I think he's gonna be fine. It's my take.
4: Pete Carroll might not be the guy that I I would want to, you know. Get everything schemed up exactly how you want it incorporate a new offensive coordinator, modernize things on defense, get the most out of your personnel. However, he is the guy who when Russell Wilson was unhappy Was able to take that and go, hey, we're going to get you a Gabe Jackson. Is that going to be okay? And then it was fine. I I just want him to win games.
2: We're not going to hire him to host the Ringer Gambling Show. I just want him to win. That's what he's doing.
4: Yeah, they win games.
2: All right. Yeah, they've won one game this year. That's the problem. Pete Carroll's a good coach. They'll win. All right, next up with the American NFL show feed this Tuesday is our players' podcast I just talked about earlier in the podcast. Ryan Shazier, James Jones, and new ringer podcast host of the Full Go, Jason Goff. I'll be back on Wednesday. We're going to be talking about, spoiler alert, Tom Brady versus the New England Patriots this Sunday. Nora will be back on Thursday with Mallory Rubin. Mallory Rubin is also coming on Slow News Day Tuesday. Friday's show will be Ben Solak and Steven Ruiz alongside Kalen Jones previewing the week for action. This show will be back next Sunday and every Sunday breaking down all of the Sunday action for the entire NFL season. Thank you, Nora, Ben, and Steven. Thank you to a production assistant, Isaiah Blakely, for production on this episode with additional production supervision by Arjuna Ramkapal. It's been the Ren NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network.